Welcome to Whitefields Church Podcast. Our focus is to help you grow relationally, emotionally, and spiritually. I hope you enjoy the message. My mind is ready. Make me better, God. By your word. Say, I am kingdom-minded, and I am servant-hearted. <laughs> and I won't be the same again. <laughs> Amen. All right. Mixed it up on you guys. Not the usual way I say it, right? <laughs> it's good to, you know, process and think about, uh, think about the things that we sing. And sometimes we're just so used to saying something, you know, naturally when we hang up the phone, we say, I love you, bye. And it's good to sometimes pause and be like, ooh, I really mean that. I love you, you know, <laughs> to your husband or wife, to your loved one, your parents. So it is good to be in the house of the Lord. Um. Ooh, God has uh, laid a heavy on me, so pray for me so I can make it through. <laughs> yeah, I've uh, turned to Red Bull today again. <laughs> Went to bed at three, <laughs> so, and the time changed too. I was sitting there working on the sermon, just, you know, the Lord just putting something heavy on my heart, and and then... Um, and then all of a sudden, I'm like, it's already 3.30, and I realized, well, the time change happened today. <laughs> so uh, amazing, amazing. Praise God. So um, we know what God can do, right? And we talked about how, you know, we're kingdom-minded and we're serving hard. That is the theme, and God is moving in our lives. Um, while there seems to be no limit, right, to who God uh, will be using or who he, he can use because he could use anyone, there is one interesting note that, to point out that there's one kind of person that God has consistently not used um, is someone who is living half-heartedly. Um, even in Revelation, there's, it's such a kind of a interesting word, that, I mean, a very strong word that's coming from God, and, but God is pretty direct. He's saying, Revelation 3.16, so because you are lukewarm and neither hot or cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. I mean... But that's the thing is though so amazing that even in the Bible, if we look at a person like Saul, who became Paul, I mean, he was killing Christians. I mean, he was really passionate, but I mean, he was all in in it. And there's something about that God likes to do is just find those people that have their heart completely committed to something, you know, and he can turn it around, right? We were saying God turned it around, <laughs> every situation. So... Um, I don't know the current condition of your heart. You know, we can, I can assume, we can talk, whatever. But if we, I do believe, if we want to be fully used by God, you know, um, it has to start with our heart. Uh, Proverbs 4.24 says, above all else, right, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Our heart, you know. And we're talking about, obviously, when we're talking about a heart, it's not a physical heart that's beating heart signifies in your mind, your, your whole being of your, as a human, right? So today my message, um, based off of Psalm 119, I want to talk about three habits of a healthy heart. And uh, the psalmist reveals kind of these three emphasis in this passage, and I want to share them with you. Um, how many know that a real lasting change, it needs to happen in your heart, right? Uh, it can't just be your behavior. Uh, you really need to fundamentally uh, change your beliefs. Uh, and this is what the psalmist is trying to say this. And it, the way it's constructed, it's amazing. So let's read Psalm 119. It's one of the biggest chapters in the Bible. It's got a lot. Uh, Psalm 119. 
uh, starting with 112. Okay? 119, 112 through 116. I incline my heart to perform your statutes forever to the end. Okay? It's coming up there shortly. I hate the double-minded, but I love your law. Ugh. Verse 114. You are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. Depart from me, you evildoers. It also talks about pay attention to who is around you. That I may keep the commandments of my God. Because, you know, you catch what you're close to. So who you surround yourself with. Okay. Uh, 116. Uphold me according to your promise that I may live. And let me not be put to shame in my hope. So the emphasis and the 112. I incline my heart. Okay. So I incline my heart to perform your statutes forever to the end. Um, in other words, Psalm is saying, I want this to last. You know, we, in the beginning of the year, we, we really set our goals and we're like, man, this is it. This is going to be the year, right? <laughs> and I'm bringing this message. We're already March. First quarter is done, but I, I don't want you to give up right now, okay? So we want this change to last. Anything that's good that's happening in our lives, whatever God is doing. You know, not just the first few weeks in January. It says, I incline my heart. It has to happen within, within your spirit. So not just the behavior, but our beliefs uh, that drive our behavior. Does that make sense? So otherwise, just the change doesn't stay. I, I've, I've learned it the hard. <laughs> I learned it hard. That, that applies to everything in life. Your health, your finances, whatever it may be, the decisions you make at the beginning of the year. And it just, I felt really prompted by the Lord to share this message, I believe, when we're like three months into the year. But I believe it's really going to set somebody free. Really open up your heart. So I incline my heart. I love that's just interesting choice of words. Uh, if you incline something, right, it means that it was naturally not in that position. Um, the way I remember it's just that there's a bench. You know, if you work out, decline or incline. <laughs> okay. Um, but if it was, you know, if you have to incline upon something, that means you had to act upon it. Okay, that makes sense. So that means you, uh, in order to orient it in the, in the right direction or in the different directions. But we don't incline. Sometimes, uh, something that's already like upright. If something's already upright, you don't need to incline it. Uh, it must have meant that his heart um, was declined. All right. So, and he's writing, there's a lot of emotions in the middle of just 119 Psalm. It's just a combination of that. It's phenomenal. But in the problem with us, uh, we spend a lot of our lives reclined, <laughs> right? The way we wake up and that's how we set the day. Say, well, this is the day. It's Monday. I'm just going to haven't had my coffee yet. We, you know, we do these kind of things. The way we wake up, we remain. However we, however we feel, we act. And nowadays people um, are not moving by faith, but they're moving by feelings. So it's very important to pay attention to our hearts. The moment you set your heart in the morning, you know, it's very important to set your heart. That's why uh, the psalmist is saying, I incline my heart. I prepare my mind, okay? Um, I act upon my attitude. I act upon my feelings. <laughs> I don't rely upon them, right? Feelings are fickle. They, they're deceiving. So, but did you know that you're in charge of your heart? Like we, we never think about that because we naturally think this is how my heart is beating. This is how my life is going. Uh, yes, I was born this way. But you are in charge of your heart. I'm in charge of my heart. I'm in charge of my attitude. So 
Quit saying people broke your heart. <laughs> I started saying to myself, you know, they can't break it if you don't give it to them. Amen? So he's saying, I'm setting my heart in the direction of heaven, pretty much. And the question for us today is, I always like to have a question in the message in the beginning. Is our heart set in a divine direction? So I incline my heart. And it's not something that you do once. Like, you know, at, when you were 12, you just turned to the Lord and you gave your life. You inclined your heart to the Lord and you were never tempted again ever since, right? That would be amazing. <laughs> that's, how, that's how I'd wanted it to be. You know how they have this uh, infomercial on rotisserie chicken, I remember one time seeing very late, and I'm like, man, that's phenomenal. And he would, the guy would say, set it and forget it. <laughs> that would be awesome. It would be awesome to put oil in your car and never have to change it. It would be awesome to never have to change your tires or never do alignment. There's certain things in life that you continuously, all of it actually, it needs continuous maintenance, okay? So when somebody says, I accepted the Lord Jesus Christ one time in my life and I'm done, Scripture specifically talks about to walk out your calling, okay? So just because you've said, I accepted Jesus in my heart one time, it doesn't mean <laughs> you're, you said it and forget it, right? So I really want us to get that image. Even if you have a rotisserie picture in your head, that's totally awesome. Uh, I want us to remember those things. Some people say, you know, I, I went to church in the beginning of the year. And that ought to count for something, right? That ought to get me through the year. <laughs> But Psalm is saying, it's like, it's not enough, like, to just set it and forget it. Okay, it's more like, you check it, you reset it, you check it again. And uh, Psalmist, a lot of times and through the Psalms, you know, David talks about, Lord, check my heart. You know, he continuously is just checking in, like, Lord, how am I doing? How, how's my relationship? And same thing with your marriage, uh, your relationships. If you don't check in soon enough, you know, with your friend or something like that, soon enough you kind of part ways and you don't even know what's going on. You know, it's important, husbands and wives. It's like, how was your day, you know? So, anyways. Because all throughout the day, or even throughout the year, um, our heart will be tempted to decline into our uh, default position, let's say. And it's something like discouragement, despair, or, you know, or dysfunction. But take charge of your heart. That's the word for today. It says, take charge of your heart. And... Uh, and the writer actually of Proverbs talks about it too. You know, like I said in the beginning, Proverbs 4.24, above all else, guard your cash. No? Your looks. <laughs> it's like above all else, guard your heart. Because everything you do flows from it. Amazing. So it's your heart. That's where the issues of life flow from. So Turn to your neighbor and say, check your heart. <laughs> Come on, do it. Check your heart. <laughs> I love doing that because I know how uncomfortable that makes us feel. <laughs> this is my only time to do it from the stage here. Uh, a month ago, approximately, I went to see uh, my doctor, just, you know, checking up. Um, and uh, I've had a conversation that I never expected to hear, you know, with a doctor. Because, uh, you know, he was telling me about, you know, uh, my cholesterol. Um, LBL, um, HDL, you know, and I could tell like he wasn't getting through to me, right? And, um, <laughs> and then he took a real drastic turn and he said, hey, look, I, I don't want you to be one of those guys who looks good on the outside, which made me really happy, you know, when he said that. But he's like, <laughs> you know, um, 
I don't want you to be just jogging one day, you know, everything is good, and just fall over uh, of a heart attack. So, because, you know, I love how he said it, because this is where my message really originated, just the title. Because he said, you could be blocked on the inside and look good on the outside. Right? Uh, you can be successful and fall over. You can... Uh, I just heard a terrifying news of just a, a doctor, one of my dentists, you know, just took his own life. It was heartbreaking, you know, um, just a few days ago. I mean, person, you know, technically, if you think about it, had everything, a lot of stuff, but man, boom, gone, you know. You can be married and fall over. You can get a promotion and fall over. You can be religious and fall over. You can, you can even attend a church and just fall over. Um, and I'm talking about also, you know, not at the necessarily physical aspect thing, but I'm talking about just our psychological, our, our whole being of what, what happens in our heart, right? But it all starts with our habits. Uh, a month ago, a few months back, we talked about, you know, just it's important to pay attention to your habits, okay? Because habits, they quickly turn into like strongholds, okay? So, but there are also good habits. So, Anyways, but it all starts with our habits. Your habits, our habits, I would say, they create the condition of our heart. All right? So God is going to help somebody, I believe, today to set their heart in the right direction on things above. To set their heart, reset it. You know, like the Nintendo, if you ever played, there's a button, reset. It doesn't matter how far you went into the game, then you can reset it. So if you can envision that, I believe God is going to do that today with our heart. Well, speaking of the heart, they have a defibrillator, right? It brings it back to life, resets it. So I'm going to point out three things, you know, three habits of a healthy heart. Point number one, okay, know what to hate. <laughs> Not a very pastoral thing to say, right? What's, what's that word doing in the church? But Psalm 119, I just read it, right? It says, I hate, I hate. What's the word doing in the Bible, right? <laughs> We're supposed to love everything. But I hate the double-minded, but I love your law. He says, I hate this. I, I hate the, the double-minded. Uh, and understand, not the person, but the, the condition of the heart, all right? And if you think about it, hate is the most powerful motivation to change. <laughs> not love. Um, and the more I talk about it, it will make sense. You have to hate something in order to make that change. And this is coming from my life okay a lot of these things that I've experienced and certain habits that I could not overcome but I had to get to the point of just hating it so much to finally say I'm sick of it and perhaps sometimes God will allow you to go this slow to you can finally you know just get sick of it and not be reminded of Egypt and continuously being dragged back to the same thing you're just trying to overcome come on so but I personally you know even in my life I have some love-hate relationship with certain things in my life I feel like David sometimes. In um, 2 Samuel chapter 19, if you want to note it down, I'm not going to read anything from it. But so Joab was a right hand of David. He comes to David and, and, and tells, his, uh, tells him the news that his son Absalom uh, has died. And David started weeping because that's his son, obviously. And Job was upset, like he was mad. He said, because Absalom, his son, David's son, was trying to take David's throne. He literally was after David. He was trying to kill him, right? And Job, was, Job said, like, David, you need to get it together, okay? Because you hate those that love you, and you love those that hate you pretty much. 
You hate what's trying to deliver you, and you love what's trying to destroy you. Uh, so that's how it is with some of the things in our life, and my life as well. But before you can make a change, you have to be motivated enough to make that change. You have to really dislike something. And often the problem is we, we just keep our sin certain things on a back burner, right? I, I've, I've talked about this before. We call it sins with benefits. It gives you the whole, a short-term satisfaction, but then it makes you feel nasty. And you're, and you're repeating that cycle over and over again. So this is all coming from my heart, from my own experience. So you have to learn to hate certain things in order to make change. I'll, I'll bring up some examples. Self-pity, right? I hate self-pity. But man, it feels good when I'm doing it. It's like having a, <laughs> eating a bag of Doritos on a rainy day. Cool ranch. I say that a lot. Um, it's not that I hate the, the, the taste of the Doritos, but I just, I just hate what it does to my waist. You know, I'll just use that as an example, right? Um, uh, okay, sorry to stay there, but a bag of Doritos does something for me. It really does. I realized the other day, I'm like, man, it really does. It may not do something for you, but it does for me. Long-standing relationship with them, right? <laughs> they have been there for me in the middle of a midnight hour. I couldn't call about anybody else. And salsa, of course. But... <laughs> but in order to change some things in my life, I have to learn to dislike it. Um, and I'm sure we've heard this phrase called desperate times, called for desperate measures, right? So um, I've also mentioned that a good doctor would tell you the truth, right? He won't tell you, oh, you're doing great. Like, a good, like my good doctor, he told me, he's like, hey, man, you can be jogging and fall over. You know, so, but in order to make change, we really have to put our effort into it, amen? So and that's what happens, though. Uh, when it comes to uh, deliverance ministry, when people are trying to get delivered, often uh, times what happens is they can't get delivered because they still like it. Um, they haven't hated it enough. But the Bible says, you know, I hate the double-minded, but I love your law. So before I can do what I love, I have to know what to hate. Does that make sense? Right? So it's, it's a really complicated relationship, but I believe uh, as we go through this, we're, it's going to make more sense. So... Best way to explain, I love what it does for me, but I hate what it does to me, right? Make sense? So, for example, anger. Um, anger can even bring you some result. It's true. Uh, I'm just coming from my own experience. If I get mad enough, you know, <laughs> I can get it my way. You see that at the airport often, <laughs> right? Saw it on the way here, a few things as well. And then I was condemned because <laughs> I kind of almost caught myself and I told Larissa I immediately apologized I was like Lord the next time I see that agent I will apologize I don't care if I'm MVP gold this is not how I need to talk <laughs> and I was like Lord and I'm a pastor because I was just trying to make a point saying you know you just did and you took my flight and you you, you just changed it it's not fair you didn't ask me for my permission and now I'm flying out three you know two hours later out of Seattle. Anyways, but <laughs> anger, right? It can even bring you a result. You get it. Like, if I can just get mad enough, I'll get it my way. It happens with kids, too, <laughs> if you're a parent, right? But then, but then you're all alone. Nobody wants, to, nobody wants to be with you. Another example, complaining. I have complaint, you know, I have a complicated relationship with complaining because, ooh, I just, I just love to tell somebody just about what's going on. Um, 
Someone says, well, the Bible tells us not to do it. Yeah. Well, Bible also doesn't say that it doesn't feel good doing it, right? So <laughs> somebody asks you, like, how you doing? And then you just, you just let them have it. You just unload it. Um, you let them all know every problem, every ache, everything, every issue. But guess what? Next time that person sees you, they go in the opposite direction, right? Can we talk here? <laughs> We're talking real life. And I really hope it's very practical because it's, you know, it's something that I've had to deal with in my own life. I love talking about people. <laughs> I shouldn't say these things. And sometimes I say it and they usually happen in the middle of a sermon. You like just admit your own fault before the church. <laughs> Like, somebody could record that and use it against me later. That's all right. <laughs> but I have to be honest, right? Uh, it's like, it's, it's cool to talk about other people's dumb decisions. It really, it's just for some reason, it's some kind of like a high for, you know, for people. Uh, and I guess it makes you feel good about your own dysfunction when you spend a little time talking about somebody else's, right? So, uh, but what happens is, even if it's a natural high or whatever, like, <laughs> look at them. Well, my life didn't turn out that way. Look at their kids. And then, but you're setting yourself up. So you're up this. You're looking down on a person. But then you're setting yourself up for a decline. You really are. And that's what happens. That's how relationships get destroyed. Because, you know, next time you see them, you can't treat them better than what you think of them, right? Or how you talk about them. So it does ruin your relationships. It's very important to pay attention to these bad habits that we have. And it's very important to analyze them and continuously check with them, not just at the beginning of the year, not saying, Lord, I will not complain. I'll be thankful for everything. But regularly, just say, Lord, I'm checking my heart. How am I doing? David says, you know, check my heart, oh God, see if I'm not on the wrong path, right? He says that on several times on numerous occasions through Psalms. So, but it does something for you, right? I mean, if you'll be honest enough to say, like, hey, I'll admit it. It, it does something to me talking about somebody or whatever. But I hate what it does to me, right? I love the taste of Red Bull. <laughs> Man, <laughs> have to do it today again. But I hate the crash. Uh, that's, that's what happens with us with our bad habits. Matthew 7, 2 says, for the same way you judge others, right, you will be judged. The same measure you have or this, with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. But I love the taste, but I hate the outcome pretty much. Um, Larissa one time told me, she's like, I hate being late. Notice she didn't say I like being early, right? <laughs> but you, until you learn to hate being late, you know, more than you like hitting the snooze button, you're not going to see much change. So something needs to happen. James chapter 1, um, you know, uh, verse 7 through 8 says, for, the person, for that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded man unstable in all his ways here it is again a warning being double-minded kind of like just one foot in the door of the world one foot in the church it can happen like that with your relationships whatever it may be but look at this in revelation 3 16 again as a reminder because you're lukewarm neither hot or cold i will speak out of my mouth wow god that is rough because ultimately god wants us to be saved he wants us he doesn't want us to keep living in struggle of the same burden of sin that keeps weighing us down year after year, day after day. He wants you to succeed. He wants you to come to full potential and full knowledge of Christ. Amen? 
That's why God is saying, I hate the double-minded, you know, to, but I love your law. So, for example, I'll use another example. I hate procrastination. I, I did it a lot myself. But I also hate preparation. <laughs> but I, I, I hate the pain of procrastination more than preparation. So I had to choose that and make a decision. Um, I cannot be double-minded. That's why Psalmist says, I incline my heart, Okay. And only then, when I'm aligned with God, I'm able to overcome. I'm able to succeed. But you are here because you're kingdom-minded. You are here because you inclined your heart. You made that decision saying, Lord, this year I'm, I'm prioritizing your presence. I'm putting, Lord, you are the foundation of my family. Okay? And stick with it. Amen? Point number two, nowhere to hide. Psalm 119, the same one we just read, but look at 114. It says, you are my hiding place and my shield. So nowhere to hide. And the question is, do we, do we know where to hide? Everybody here, including me, has a hiding place. Because um, the attacks are going to come. Um, missiles are going to fly. The doubts will try to set in, and, you know, and set your heart on a decline. And it will try to get you off track. As soon as you get some kind of a difficult situation, you're just like, man, this, this is terrible. This sucks. Can't do it. Um, but do we know where to hide? Uh, when discouragement just, or whatever it may be, comes flying my way, right? Or do we run to the same enemy that is attacking us in effort to hide? So Israel is a perfect example of that. They kept, God is trying to deliver them like, come on, I got you. Let's get out of here. But they, they were set on Egypt. They kept, every, as soon as things got difficult, they were just trying to track back. And then God is like, I can deliver you. And that's why they spent, which was supposed to be 40 days, turned to 40 years. And that always is a reminder to me. He said, Lord, I want to enter in your promises. I don't want the same thing to keep bringing me down. So, obviously, I'm not talking about physical places, right? The hiding uh, places that we often create that destroy us are usually the ones in our heart that are away from people and speaking of that be very careful who you open up to in your vulnerable state when you're weak because often you know friends or family might tell you what you want to hear right um, it's best to take it up before the Lord okay when there's something going on it's best to bring it up before the Lord that's why we talked about a few weeks back right talking about the prayer room where you go and you pour your heart out before the Lord. God is my hiding place and my shield. That's very, very powerful, right? And Jesus says that, guess what? The difficulties in our lives, they will keep coming, all right? That's why in John 16, 16, it says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. And then he says again, in this world, you will have trouble. It's inevitable. But take heart. I have overcome the world. God is saying, but I got you. It doesn't matter what's happening around you, right? You can have warfare happening around you. You can still have peace in the middle of the storm, right? It's like Jesus sleeping in the back of a boat that is just rocking and water is getting in. If I'm not dead, God's not done. Amen? But I can have peace despite what's happening. See, the thing what happens, the problem with some of us believers, we... We set this expectation of no attack, saying like, well, now that I have God in my life, I won't have attacks, but you're setting up yourself for a disappointment. 
And uh, that's why Psalmist says, I de- pretty much he's saying, I designated in advance um, where I would hide. That way, when the attacks come, I already have it in place, right? It's being kind of prepared. Because it's harder to find place. Imagine this warfare happening, right? Bullets are flying. Once the bullets start flying, it's, it's going to be harder for you to find a place. That's why you already have to have an advance saying, I know my hiding place. He is my shield. He is my hiding place, right? Uh, one perfect example in 1 Kings 19. So Elijah hides in the cave from Jezebel, who is threatening to kill him, right? And the voice of God comes to the cave, you know, and says, why are you hiding, Elijah, right? Um, why would you choose to hide in the place that will keep you confined um, when your calling is out there? And he's pretty much God is saying, have I not, you know, protected you on Mount Carmel? Did I not set a fire from heaven? So you can hide in plain sight when you trust the goodness of God. You literally can be in the broad daylight. And you're not afraid of error by day, just like an Psalm says, right? They would, it's amazing. And this, Lord brought, me, brought this up to me this morning. David was able to comfortably strum his harp in front of Saul, who was trying to kill him. Like, what? How can you naturally do that? Because he knew his hiding place, right? Because when a spear was flying, his hand was on the harp. He was worshiping. Right? When you worship, when everything is raging, when darts are flying, when arrows are flying, you're going to be secure because you have a hiding place. Amen? Why? Because no weapon formed against me will prosper. Why? Because God prepares the table before the enemies. In the presence of my enemies, God is saying, you got nothing to fear. I'm with you. COVID, war, whatever. Do not be afraid. I will see the goodness of God, right? In the land of the living. So... But we often hide in what seems safe or seemingly safe places. And often those places become traps. So that's why we look throughout the life. People can turn to anything like overeating, eating whatever, drugs, alcohol, pornography, in order to escape their problems. But they often instantly turn to traps. It gives them some temporary satisfaction, but then the people can't get out. Um... One of my friends I was talking to out of state, he said, one of my hiding place, because we were talking about this, and uh, it said, blame. I hide behind blame. Um, something goes wrong, I find someone or something to blame. If my, like, you know, for example, if my kids hadn't, well, if my car wouldn't have broken, or, you know, there's always that. If, if only my, my, you know, I blame my parents, you know, they were too hard on me. But then, then you go and you blame your parents for being too soft on you as well, right? Too easy on you. So blame is this convenient uh, hiding place because uh, it will shield you temporarily uh, from the inconvenience to change. <laughs> you know, you're like, I don't want to. So that's why you're like, well, this happened simply because of my parents. That's, we do that, all of us. I've done it before. I've, I've blamed something for something because I was, rather than saying, well, this was my decision. So it's a very convenient thing to hide so to avoid change. Blame was my friend's hiding place. You know, Elijah's was a cave. What's yours? So we get good at hiding behind this fake smile, right? We put up a front. Uh, and people can't even hide from the closest people, uh, from their friends uh, or their family. 
And, we, and, and I think, in the, uh, technically speaking, behind, we're thinking, uh, behind the image that I present, you know, if I hide behind that image, I don't have to deal with who I am. So I know it's a very challenging word, but I believe God is calling today. I believe a voice of God is calling like he's calling to Elijah in the middle of a cave saying, hey, come out of hiding. Come out of fear. Come out of hypocrisy. Come, come out of this fake spirituality. Come out, come out wherever you are, <laughs> right? There's absolutely nothing you're going to scare God for, with. Absolutely not when you bring it up before the Lord. Why? Because Psalm 91 says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of Almighty. Come on, church. I have a shelter. Yeah? I don't have to hide behind anything but God. Watch this. I'm going to give you some steroid shots <laughs> scripturally. <laughs> Psalm 46.1. This is the word of God. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. How many believe that? God is your refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Proverbs 18.10. Listen to this. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. You have a hiding place. We have a hiding place, amen. And again, that Psalm 119 that we just read, you are my hiding place, my shield. I hope in your word. So we got to know where to hide or you'll be running like the doctor was telling me, just fall over, right? <laughs> Um, you got to check the condition of your heart regularly and know where your hiding place is. Amen? When I was a kid, we were playing hide and seek. I'll be wrapping it up here shortly. Um, and we got locked in into a crawl space. <laughs> and, you know, I'm thinking yesterday, I'm like, it's like that sometimes, right? You're running from something thinking you're hiding, <laughs> but then end up locking yourself in, in there, Right? Um, you can lock yourself into a pattern, an effort to escape something, and what you get locked in is worse than what you were running from. But today, say, I know where to hide. Can some, say, I know where to hide. Come on, say it like you mean it. I know where to hide. Yes, yes, amen. You might have to sing in the shower. You know, you have to incline your heart to keep his commands, right? You might have to hide in your prayer room to open up before the Lord. Where else, is, where else are you going to hide? In self-pity? Feeling sorry for yourself? Right? And, that's, and I'm thinking like you're going to hide in the enemy-held held territory and expect to be safe there. Very dangerous ground. Amen? So I'll give you a few tips, very practical tips. You know, it's good to memorize scripture. Say, you are my hiding place. Today, pretty easy. Remember this just one part. Say, you are my hiding place. And start saying that out loud. Put, put a post-it note right in your visor, all right? Because the sun is coming out now. <laughs> it's amazing, right? But the little, you know, these, these songs that we sing on Sunday, you know, you can sing them other than Sunday. <laughs> you know, like, I love you, Lord, like middle of the night, whatever it may be. And I lift my voice. It's an old song, but it'll work. Devil's tacking you in the middle of, you know, night, whatever. We were singing, all of my hope is in the name, right? The name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. Faith comes from hearing. Start proclaiming these words of God. Amen? And just see what God can do through that. 
I'm sing, I can sing when I'm pressed. I can rejoice in the middle of the storm because I incline my heart on things above. Amen? So it's not that the missiles won't fly because they will, but I've, I've learned what to hate and I know where to hide. And my last point I want to point out is know how to hope. And that same passage right there says, you are my hiding place and my shield. And it says, I hope in your word. I hope in your word. It doesn't say, I wish in your word, right? So let's stand to our feet real quick. We're wrapping it up. Stand up if you have hope. How about that? <laughs> Knowing how to hope is often uh, the difference maker, you know, in keeping our commitment. We often, we often um, give up too early. Because we, when we hope for something, we pray for something, we, we expect it to be like Amazon Prime, like quickly, right? And we let our hope expire before the outcome develops. And I really want to point it out, but Psalmist doesn't say in this passage that I have hope. He says, I hope, right? When he says, I hope, instead of saying, I have hope, it's, more, it's very important to uh, understand English teacher, I know we have Lacey here as well, whoever. That makes it a verb, right? I hope rather than I have hope. So it's not something I have, it's something I do. Amen? It's an active hope. Amen? Come on. So don't just say, well, I hope it gets better. Yes, Ryan, thank you. <laughs> I was flying uh, one of the ladies on the flight with, with my dad, you know, a month ago. And just says, here's my philosophy. Hope for the best, expect the worst. No, that's clever, but that's compost. Hope doesn't just wish it would. Hope is not a wish, right? It's an act of hope. It's a way of living. It's, it puts your hand to work. And my question to us today, which is with the last emphasis, knowing where to hope, right? Have you put your hand to what you're hoping for? Look at this, Hebrews 11.1. 1. I want to read that before you just with faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So I don't hope it's not cold. I put on the coat and I still go outside. That's the best way I can explain what, what it means to have an act of hope. It's not a wish. It's hope that is consistently moving in your life. Amen. Amen. So thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our lives, Lord. We thank you for your living word. We thank you for an act of hope, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And with psalmist today, say, Lord, we say, I incline my heart. Lord, I say, I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praise shall continually be on my lips. Lord, I bless you. I bless your holy name. So let's say that together. I just feel like Moses say, say, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Amen. Amen. If you receive some today, say, Lord, thank you. Let's take this time and just worship him. Lord, we thank you. We praise you that all of our hope is in the name of Jesus. And there's no other hope. It doesn't matter what kind of turmoil is happening around us. Thank you for joining us today. Please make sure to subscribe to our podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit our website, whitefieldsalaska.com. Thanks again for listening, and may God bless you today.